Hello, and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. My name is Dominic Tyre, and I'm Pharma Forum's creative and editorial director. For episode 14, I spoke to Patrick Connor at AstraZeneca. We spoke about his company's focus on lung cancer, why the disease should be a priority for society, and what changes he's hoping to see in this area. This episode is something of a companion piece to the previous instalment of the podcast, where I heard from AstraZeneca's Paul Naish about the quality of online information available for lung cancer patients. You can find more details for both episodes, including download links and information about other instalments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast and Stitcher, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Pharma Forum. So, Patrick, thanks very much for joining the uh, Pharma Forum podcast. I'm excited to uh, have a chance to, to speak to you a bit. And before we get uh, going, then, uh, I wonder if you can put yourself into context and just give a, a short um, introduction to, uh, to to yourself and your, your role at AstraZeneca. Sure. Uh, hi, Dom. My name is uh, Patrick Connor, and I'm the global franchise head for Tegriso and our tumor drivers and resistance platform at uh, AstraZeneca. Uh, Tegriso is a medicine that we have developed uh, in lung cancer specifically. And it's a medicine we're very proud to say is setting new standards of care uh, for a specific subtype of, of lung cancer, patients with uh, something called MIGI-5 mutation. So obviously lung cancer is um, you know, a specific focus for us and uh, uh, we're, we're very proud of the, uh, the strides that we're making to contribute towards uh, changing standards of care. Thanks, Patrick. And I, I spoke, of course, to your colleague, uh, Paul Naish, uh, re- recently, looking at some research that AstraZeneca had undertaken around um, uh, understanding um, lung cancer space that, and um, the information that's available to, to patients. So building on, on that, from, from your perspective, why is it important to understand uh, the lung cancer space? Well, I think first and foremost, you know, this starts with the, uh, the, the unmet need. You know, lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death worldwide. Uh, every minute, about three people die from lung cancer. So clearly, this is, a, you know, a very important disease, um, and that's something that we should be, be addressing as, you know, ph- the pharmaceutical industry, but also um, as, uh, you know, the lung cancer community as a whole. So I think that the research is very important because it puts into context that. If you really want to change survival, um, long-term survival for patients with lung cancer, of course you need to think about research and development and the medicine, but you need to think more holistically about the patient journey. What is their experience from that patient who is, is, is uh, that person who is out there in the world who doesn't understand uh, or doesn't yet know that they have a lung cancer or will have lung cancer diagnosis uh, through to uh, you know, understanding that they have the disease uh, receiving a medication and uh, what is the quality of care that they may subsequently um, uh, receive, you know, post-treatment. So I think all of that is, is incredibly important and I think that there's very strong evidence to suggest that if you address each stage of the patient journey well, uh, you're going to improve outcomes and I think ultimately that's what we all want to do. We want to eliminate lung cancer as a cause of death and uh, uh, to do that we need to think more holistically about patients. I think that's why the, the research that you discussed with Paul is, uh, is so important. And I'd be interested to get your, your perspective on how society views uh, lung cancer. I suppose, uh, as you mentioned, uh, lung cancer is um, the most common form of cancer uh, worldwide. Do you think lung cancer is, is enough of a priority for society at the moment? 
Well, I think there's a certain stigma associated with lung cancer. You know, it, um, oftentimes it's thought of as a smoker's disease. There's unfortunately a perception that uh, if you get lung cancer, perhaps to, to be um, correct about it, it could be your fault because of lifestyle choices. I don't think the perceptions around lung cancer are the same as when we talk about other other cancer types like like breast cancer, for example. Mm. You know, the reality is is that lung cancer, while while smoking is a, is a absolutely a uh, a key risk factor for the disease, you know, uh, while lung cancer as a whole is the leading cause of cancer death, uh, lung cancer in non-smokers is the seventh largest um, cause of cancer death worldwide. So, you know, it's it's potentially a disease that um, that can affect all of us. And uh, um, for that reason, I think we need to play, place more emphasis on it as a society. And uh, looking, at, I suppose, pulling back and looking at the global picture for for, for lung cancer. So clearly, there's um, it, it needs to be a priority for for all, all countries. Um, and there's still, I guess, significant unmet need for treatments uh, across all, all all stages of the uh, of the disease. But in terms of that significant unmet need, would would you say that is that the same country to country, or are there um, are there particular hotspots, if that's the best way of putting it, for for, for lung cancer around the globe? Uh, there are definitely regional differences. I mean, it's it is the number one cancer killer worldwide. But if you think about the standards of care across the world, you know those can be vastly different, and that that is not just about access to um, new medicines and, and new innovations. It really starts right at the beginning. So think of the undiagnosed patient. Um, if a patient is uh, um, diagnosed with cancer today, unfortunately about 75% of them or the vast majority of them are identified in late stages of disease where the prognosis for these patients is much, much worse. And if we improve standards of care and enable screening to become um, more prevalent, um, to uh, have the technology associated with screening be improved and diagnose patients in much earlier stages, stages say one and two of, of lung cancer, we would significantly improve outcomes and uh, uh, results for these patients. So to, to put it really into context, if you're diagnosed today with stage four disease, uh, the chance of you being alive at, um, five years from now is around 5%, so, so not very high. If the same patient um, was diagnosed with stage one disease, the chance of being alive at five years is you know eighty percent and higher. So, so purely by focusing on that as a as a, um, a standard of care, we can fundamentally shift how patients are, are treated and and, and uh, how they live with the disease and, and hopefully um, see the potential for cure. Now that I highlight because the way that uh, different countries address screening around the world is vastly different, and I think we have an obligation as uh, a community within lung cancer uh, to advance this. Um, then, you know, moving on to once you have that diagnosis, what happens to you? I think that uh, here, you know, the standards of care are not the same everywhere. Um, some of that is, is purely about timing. You know, patients within uh, countries like the U.S. would have access to innovative treatments, you know, sometimes years before um, uh, uh, people in, in Europe, in Asia, in other parts of the world. And so I think that there's more that we can do to sort of you know, accelerate that and make sure that all patients are, are around the world, no matter where they are, are getting access to the very best therapies. And then, you know, oftentimes for, for various reasons, uh, socioeconomic re reasons and others, uh, once a patient is on therapy, are they getting the, the right follow-up with physicians? Um, are, are they taking care of things like nutrition? Are they getting the right financial advice to understand, you know, what is, what is, 
what is this going to mean for a person living with lung cancer and their family if perhaps you know, that patient is no longer able to work or takes a significant amount of time to get back to work? All of these things, I think, are important in uh, uh, helping you know, the overall outcome uh, for patients. And unfortunately, there's this disparity in that around the world, and that's something that we need to address. And moving from there, then, look, and to, to look at what, what your own company at AstraZeneca is doing, why would you say uh, lung cancer is specifically a focus for, for AstraZeneca? Well, I think it starts with the unmet need, and you know, AstraZeneca is a company that we, we like to, we're a science-focused, research-based um, biopharmaceutical company, and our focus is always on where we believe our science can, can make significant impact on, on areas of unmet need. And if you think about lung cancer as being the leading cause of cancer death, it has to be a focus. It's been a focus at AstraZeneca for, for many years, so quite some years ago we, we uh, were the first um, company to introduce a targeted therapy specifically focused for a, a, a subtype of cancer, the EGFR mutant um, uh, population with a, a drug called Aressa. And today we've advanced that and, and, and I've, uh, changed the standard of care again with our new medicine, Sigriso, which is the new standard of care in, uh, in EGFR mutant disease. I think uh, other important advances uh, that have been a result of that focus, uh, we have an immuno-oncology product called Impinzi, which is the first um, uh, IO molecule to move into earlier stages of disease. And why that is important, as, as I mentioned earlier, is that if you move into earlier stages, you have, um, uh, you're now really changing the game in terms of what you can expect in terms of outcome and potentially offer patients um, that chance for cure. Rather than trying to extend survival, we can, we can really try to you know, address and cure the disease. And that's really the research focus for us in R&D and lung cancer is to move into earlier stages of disease um, where we think we have the best shot at eliminating lung cancer, ultimately eliminating lung cancer as a cause of death, and going earlier and earlier uh, to, to address uh, the disease when we can really make the most impact. Um, of course, unfortunately, a lot of patients who are treated early will still progress, and so another focus of our research efforts is to make sure that as patients progress, uh, through different lines of therapy and uh, you know, through different mechanisms of resistance, uh, that we can address those two with, uh, with our science and with the innovations that are coming. Clearly, it's a focus um, for AstraZeneca. It has been for some years and, and will continue to be until we uh, um, you know, ultimately achieve those goals. Mm-hmm. And for, uh, from from a business perspective, um, how, how much of your of your oncology business does, does lung cancer represent at the moment? Well, it's a significant proportion, and, and actually, if you think about the growth of the company, you know, we just uh, um, uh, reported our Q1 results. If you compare our results versus last year, there's you know significant growth across the business. I think a large proportion of that is oncology, and, and the largest proportion of the growth that we see within oncology is in lung cancer. And actually, to be so now, um, our uh, drug, drug for EGFR mutant non-small cell lung cancer is now the number one product um, uh, by sales at AstraZeneca. So clearly, you know, this is a significant pillar. Oncology is a significant um, uh, pillar for AstraZeneca as a business, and lung cancer is, is the leading pillar within oncology. And I think we've, we've touched on some of the changes. It would be, it would be uh, we're all hoping we can we can see in, in, in lung cancer, but clearly there's um, a, a lot more to come in terms of both the unmet medical need, uh, maybe changes in terms of, of screening, and uh, hopes for uh, the science to continue to to advance. Um, from from your perspective, um, Patrick, what what uh, changes are you hoping to see in in lung cancer? 
Well, I think there's never been a more exciting time um, in lung cancer because of the advances in medicine and science that we're seeing. And it starts all the way, all the way through that, that patient journey that I mentioned. You know, the, the advances in technology, um, uh, our ability to screen the potential for, you know, machine learning and having um, the job of the radiologist made so much more easy because um, they're being assisted by, um, by computers to, uh, to diagnose patients in a more efficient way and at a scale that has never been uh, seen before. Um, the advances in uh, blood-based diagnostic technologies, which are able to sort of, you know, um, identify the molecular characteristics of a cancer and therefore, you know, we can, you know, line up the better, better therapies for that patient. I think if you look across lung cancer, which is not just one disease, lung cancer is not one thing, it's a, it's a, it's a collection of multiple diseases and I think that there have been advances uh, to really figure out, you know, if a patient has, uh, you know, a specific type of lung cancer, how can we make sure they get the right medicine at the right time and I think those advances have, have never been better. So, um, you know, when you pull all of that uh, and t together, I think that now's the time to really accelerate those advances. These are, you know, oftentimes individual companies, organizations, societies that are making these advances. And I think if we come together as a lung cancer community and uh, uh, um, focus our efforts in a more holistic way, rather than thinking about parts of the journey, parts of the puzzle, or, you know, segments of the disease, um, I think that, that we can really accelerate the advances that we're already seeing. And, uh, you know, I think that there's a, a, a very realistic chance that in the next five years we'll be talking about survival rates that have doubled versus today, um, and I think there's a very real chance that uh, in the hopefully not too distant future, uh, we will eliminate this disease as a cause of death, and I think when you put that into context of lung cancer being the number one cancer killer today, I think that that's, uh, that's um, off the, obviously a lofty aspiration, but that's something we absolutely should be shooting for. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. But just picking up on, on some of the things that you mentioned mentioned there, so in terms of the, the advances in, in technology, um, if, if you had to pick, pick one um, to, to focus on as perhaps that being, being the most exciting advance that, that you've seen in, in, in technology and maybe the one that's going to have the, the biggest impact ultimately for, for, for patients, um, down, down the line, what what what, what advance in technology um, are, are you most excited about? Well, I think I think it's the ability to to sort of integrate science across the entire patient journey. So it's it's actually no one thing. Um, R and D, pharmaceutical companies, the scientific community, we will always be focused on trying to you know bring new medicines to patients. But actually, it's about how you integrate that across the entire patient journey from the undiagnosed patient through to the diagnosed patient through to the patient who's subsequently treated and, and cared for. And I think that the, the most exciting advances now are how, at scale, uh, we will be able to screen patients in a more holistic way. We've demonstrated that if you screen patients early, you will improve outcomes um, purely in almost a mathematical way by diagnosing them in stages one and two, you will you will change outcomes and the advances that we see now um, with machine learning, which not only aid the radiologist in sort of identifying where um, uh, nodules may appear on a, on a scan, you know, and that's a complicated process, takes a lot of time. We've you know, accelerated the time that that can take, um, but actually make the diagnosis now. Um, I think that, that that's incredibly exciting because it means that the millions of people around the world who are diagnosed with lung cancer every year, we can do that in a more efficient way. Um, and then immediately with, the, with, with uh, advances in diagnostic, we can 
very quickly identify what's the right um, what is the right medicine for that patient and and I think that it's the integration of those things that actually is going to make the difference. And as, as you mentioned, then so, so now's the time to to be seeing that that integration to to accelerate these advances in technology. Specifically, then, what what is AstraZeneca doing to to, to make these these changes, these advances um, happen? Well, I think this is about partnership. So you know, we are an R and D organisation who, who deliver new medicines to patients, and that's what we will continue to do, and, and uh, we must do that. But we're also thinking very holistically about how we partner with professional societies, diagnostics companies, patient advocacy groups, etc., to think more holistically about their patient journey. So what can we do? What is our responsibility as a, as a partner within this, um, within this community to make sure that um, we're able to screen patients appropriately, to make sure that technology is um, making sure that we're actually identifying the patients? You know, unfortunately, a lot of patients who screen today um, uh, will either be diagnosed um, um, positive uh, um, there'll be false positives and that's terrible because that patient may then think they have lung cancer imagine you're a person today and uh, you get told you have lung cancer and perhaps you have to go for a biopsy and other procedures and only to find out that um, that you don't have lung cancer down the line that's an incredible um, a stress for, for you and your family Likewise, you know the, the reverse is also true. Imagine being told you don't have lung cancer and only to uh, only to become much more sick um, uh, later down the line. And I think that with through partnerships, we can really support and help that. And uh, and we are um, working uh, to do that. And you know, um, on the the other end, you know, AstraZeneca is a, a company with tens of thousands of people around the world, um, with organisations that are working locally with the community. How can we leverage that and harness that to make sure that we're adequately supporting uh, patients, patient advocacy groups, uh, institutions to make sure that the, the standards of care after the medicine are optimal and the patients are getting the care that they need. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's uh, just another way of saying that we need to think in a more patient-centric way and beyond the research and development, beyond the medicine, to, to make sure that we're, we're, uh, we're making advances that are necessary. Well, Patrick. Uh, finally, then to, to sum up, um, why don't you tell me what what does uh, success in in lung cancer look look like to you? Well, I think success. Imagine so. If we take a step back from this and we sort of imagine a world, all right, and imagine a world where um, uh, an individual who 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 may have may be symptomatic, may be unsymptomatic, is able to in a very simple way be screened for lung cancer in much the same way as we routinely screen for other diseases, um, other types of cancer actually, and that with maybe a simple blood test, uh, a physician is able to tell that patient, um, you know, unfortunately you have cancer, you have lung cancer, you have a specific subtype of cancer. Um, imagine a world where once that diagnosis is made, we have the ability to deliver the right medicine to the right patient at the right time. And imagine a world where um, once that patient receives the therapy um, with a much, much better prognosis because we've caught the disease early, that we're able to support them holistically, whether it's you know, through education, um, understanding of the disease, um, uh, uh, building a sense of community amongst lung cancer survivors. Um, I think that that uh, is, in terms of an action, um, is what we should be striving for and, and, and I think would define our success. And if we, if we do that, then the outcome to all of this is that I believe that, as I said before, there's a very real chance that in the sort of next five years, let's say by 2025, 
we could double five-year survival for patients living with lung cancer if we focus on you know a combination of all of those th- those three things: screening, diagnosing patients early, giving them the right medicine, and then ma- making sure that the uh, um, the standards of care surrounding the patients are uh, are what they need to be. And if we continue on that journey and continue to make strides and continue to double um, survival, um, uh, ultimately we are going to eliminate lung cancer as a cause of death, and that's incredibly exciting. Absolutely, it certainly sounds like it's it, it is indeed a very exciting time to be uh, working within uh, lung cancer. So, Patrick, at this point, then thank you very much for joining the the Pharma Forum podcast. Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, it's a pleasure, and uh, yeah. have a good day. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Pharma Forum podcast, where this time around we heard from AstraZeneca's Patrick Connor about lung cancer. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast and information about other instalments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast and Stitcher, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website to sign up for daily or weekly email pharmaceutical news and analysis bulletins. And you can also follow us on Twitter, where we are at Pharma Forum.